Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Christ. After he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself to them in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered, no. Jesus said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciple came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, Jesus said to him, follow me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. God's people are always trying to get to the other side. 
freedom on the other side of the sea, home on the other side of exile, resurrection on the other side of death. So is there life on the other side of Easter? Does the resurrection of Christ mean anything to us and to our world? Check out today's readings. The story of Paul's conversion reads a little bit like science fiction. A light from heaven flashes around him. He falls to the ground. A mysterious voice calls, calls Saul, the persecutor of Christians, to become Paul, the great witness to the resurrection. And as this radical truth dawns on him, scales fall from his eyes. I doubt many of us have had that kind of dramatic conversion. But baptism is lifelong conversion, expanding our hearts, expanding our minds, scales falling from our eyes, perhaps day by day, enabling us to see the other side of what we're living through these very tough days. Not only the deep suffering and cynicism about the future, but the fragile gift that life is and the humility to take it all with grace. Then there's the gospel reading. On the other side of Jesus' death, the disciples are living with loss, living with grief, not knowing who they are anymore, not knowing what there is to live for anymore, not knowing how to move on with their lives. So they go back to fishing. They go back to what they know. And it's a slow fishing day, which could reflect their mood and maybe ours. But the risen Christ appears and challenges, invites them to let down their nets on the other side of the boat. And then the catch is immense. But did you hear it? Right after then, at the Easter breakfast, so to speak, the disciples receive a mission. They receive a purpose. They receive a call. They and we are promised that our spiritual nets will be filled to overflowing. And cowardly Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, receives a threefold questioning from the risen Lord. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Make your life count. Be a witness for the resurrection. Give your very life for me as I gave mine for you. But there's more such abundance in today's scripture. There's the vision from the strange, wonderful, weird book of Revelation. During these weeks of Easter, we could say that we have the best of the readings, none of the weird stuff. Now, sometimes people talk of heaven by saying, I'll see you on the other side. Revelation was written to people living with religious persecution. And it reads like a vision of the life after, life on the other side. 
but it's not a movie reel of the future, as some Christians read it. It's more like a, a dream with weird and rich symbolism. And one of the main characters in Revelation is the Lamb. The Lamb that was slaughtered and now reigns. We sing these words all throughout Easter. It's one of the hits of our liturgy. This is the feast of victory for our God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor and power and might and blessing forever. But wait, what are we really singing about? The hero in Revelation is vulnerable, is nonviolent. A lamb, not the conquering, almighty, powerful God, not the God of empire, whether the Roman Empire or empires today. As one writer put it, and he's talking about the past, but hear it as if he's talking about the present, the religion of empire is bound up by protecting power, monopolizing violence, casting suspicion on the other, focusing on destroying enemies, and stockpiling resources for the few, even if it means the rest go hungry. When we gather in this space each Lord's Day, we hear another story than the one in the news. We worship a God made known in the crucified and risen one, power in weakness, strength in vulnerability, love always for the sake of the other. But such truths that we claim are hard these days, aren't they? Last week I read a story noting that Americans haven't been this afraid in a very long time. We know about the economic index, but now there's a fear index. How will we get to the other side of the war in Ukraine? How will we get to the other side of the pandemic? How will we get to the other side of inflation? How will we get to the other side of the immigration stalemate? How will we get to the other side of political gridlock and vitriol? The other side of racial strife? The other side of poverty? The other side of violence? The other side of crime and mental illness? And then when we think about what we've done to the earth, it's beginning to dawn on us that we might not get to the other side that maybe it's too late. And then we add what we're all carrying in our hearts and minds and bodies, our own personal struggles, and there are so many. What if we never get to the other side? What if things never get better? Of course, we are not the first people to live in hard times. And perhaps the past several decades of relative peace and prosperity are the exception rather than the rule. Sure, there was September 11th, 
mass shootings, growing economic and social inequality, but human history is always marked by tragedy and misfortune. So that you can join me in saying, life is unfair. So from this ambo, I will give you no pat answers, no easy answers. Only two hopeful signs from our readings. Maybe Easter calls you and me to let down our nets on the other side. Cast your net in another place. As one writer puts it, when Jesus says to try the other side, he's offering new life to those of us who are trapped in making a living and not in making a life. He's offering the possibility of freedom, freedom from our routine, freedom from the captivity of what we've always done, and freedom for a new and abundant life that is full to overflowing. Secondly, it's quite amazing and sad to think that the majority of both Ukraine and Russia share the same faith, Orthodox Christianity. We've learned more of that in the last weeks. But one thing that the Orthodox teach us is this, that for them, when they participate in the liturgy, as we are this morning, they are already in heaven. They are already on the other side. So friends, take in the sights and the sounds and the smells and the taste. Treasure this opportunity we have every Sunday to gather with the people of God in this sacred space. For there is life before death. There is abundance on the other side, on this side of Easter. Notice it on your way home, the beauty of spring coming to new life and hope flooding our wounded earth. For Christ is risen, and it's the other side of the story.